Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Oval presented by Dignity Health. I'm very excited to be joined by someone who has worked on events such as the Super Bowl, postseason MLB games, March Madness, WrestleMania, the Kentucky Derby, the list goes on and on. The incredibly talented 49ers director of game day production and live events, Laura Johnson. LJ, how are you? Good. Uh, great to great to be on. Thanks for having me on, Haley. I listed a couple of bents. Do you have a favorite you've worked on so far? You know, that's a great question. Um, they all are unique and different uh, in their own ways. But I think um, as I look back, you know, by far and away, the best one has to be uh, hosting the NFC Championship uh, this year, which doesn't seem like this year. <laughs> but uh, yeah, hosting the NFC Championship, it doesn't get much bigger than that in terms of games that you can host at your venue that you produce with your team on the field, um, there's nothing really that can compare quite to it. Plus the outcome wasn't too shabby. <laughs> yeah, but it's always, it's always good, uh, you know, when to see our guys hosting, uh, hoisting the trophy there and, and going through that trophy presentation and, and hearing the fans in the stands sing along to don't stop believing by journey. I mean, it just kind of kind of gives you chills. It does even thinking it like back on it. Absolutely. I think we might have skipped something. What is a director of game day production and live events? What is kind of your scope in the 49ers realm? Yeah, so, you know, I work within a department where we get to, you know, I know everybody who comes on these podcasts thinks they have the best job in the organization, but I would say we do. <laughs> and and really that's uh, because we get to create moments and memories uh, for fans. That's what I like to, to think that we do. Really, the scope of work is, you know, everything from what you see on the video boards to what the fans experience. Uh, in between, you know, the game during commercial breaks, the pregame pageantry that goes on, player introductions, fireworks, you name it. So it's it's all the it's all the pageantry, all the fun um, side of of the football game, and and uh, you know, of course, uh, showcasing all the different angles on the video board for folks to see while they're in the stands. And it's really just about creating those moments and, and memories for fans when they come to Levi Stadium for a game here. Can you walk me through what a typical game day looks like for you? Let's say a non-COVID year game day. How early before kickoff do you need to be at the stadium? What does that look like? Yeah, uh, so for a regular game, uh, you know, let's say it's a one-something kickoff, 105, 125 kickoff. I'm usually getting in somewhere around... 6.30 a.m., 7 a.m., um, and I just, you know, get into the office, you know, go through those last little dot those I's, cross those T's. We're getting the script um, together, uh, printing everything, and then we'll go through rehearsals. Uh, that's really the first thing that we do. So we'll rehearse our halftime. We'll rehearse with our entertainment teams. We'll rehearse with our anthem singer to make sure that we have all the timings down. Uh, everybody knows where their marks are. And then once we get out of rehearsal, we go right into a production meeting um, with the crew to, to go over uh, you know, all the different elements. You know, there's I think there's like 200 elements to a game uh, that we that we uh, have to have information that everyone on the crew is aware of. So we'll go over all of those line items. And then once we're done with the production meeting, we jump right into uh, pregame. Uh, the doors open to, to the stadium gates open. And so we're 
essentially live at that time uh, for the fans and, and everything that's on the boards. So, you know, there's a moment in pregame uh, right around player warmups where I kind of take my last break and last breath <laughs> um, before we before I jump into the seat and, and it's go time. And then once we're, you know, once I'm in the seat, we're locked in for the duration of the game. And then my goal is if we're not the Sunday night football game, my goal is to be home by halftime of the Sunday night game to to see who's playing and and obviously consume a little bit more football. <laughs> so that's that's really a, a a Sunday when we when we have a home game at Levi Stadium. Sticking to the game day theme as well as kind of the rehearsal theme, I will probably miss one, but we have the full field flag, the continental U.S. flag, the rectangular but smaller than full field flag, the cutout stars. I'm sure there are others. I've seen your run of show plans and everything is planned almost to the second. How many rehearsals does it take before you feel comfortable letting that happen in front of a live crowd? And does your rehearsal plan change based off the type of flag you guys are using? You know, it really doesn't too much. I think the one that's probably the most challenging out of all of those is the one that has all the different stripes. We only do that one once a season, typically. And it's just it, it's just so different, you know, from the others. And there's some that require a little dialing in, like that, uh, the continental-shaped flag. That one, you know, requires a little bit more work to get it lined up. But, I, you know, I would say only really about, you know, two or three times on game day, seeing it, you know, unfurl and then furl back up and get off the field and those types of things. There's a lot of people who make my job really easy, Haley. And that's, you know, we have a great group on the field who has it all under control. And and for me, it's really just dialing, you know, things in ever so slightly. So I'm lucky that we have such a great group that's on the field, taking care of those things. And by the time we get to the rehearsal, it's, it's, pretty well dialed in but to your point yeah I mean it's we're timing things out to the to the second sometimes the millisecond and especially if we're on a a national broadcast and they're taking the anthem live like they have in previous years for like our salute to service games which that's been a huge honor to to have the networks take that live and think so highly of the presentation that we put together with planning everything down to the second the millisecond how often do you have to pivot those plans on game day or has it gotten to the point where everything has kind of run smoothly? Knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, those, <laughs> no, uh, you know, those, so I tell everybody that our scripts and run of show are really guidelines. It's really the framework for how things should go. Our pregame really is is on the track and stays on the track for the most part. There's things here or there that might get moved around, but once we get into the game itself, we're following the flow of the football game and really trying to ride the energy levels uh, that we have when the team is on the field. If we score a touchdown, we want to do something. We want to allow fans to celebrate. We want to celebrate. We want to celebrate that moment. And then, you know, then we can get into maybe a, a partnership feature here after it. But we really try to, to ride that along. N- nothing really goes as scripted, but that's kind of the nature of live events. Uh, there's definitely times where I've told our crew, like, don't look at the script. <laughs> don't don't look at that. <laughs> Just kind of feel, you know, listen to me. I'm going to tell us where we're going. That's 
really in a nutshell, that's my job. You know, I tell people in our production meetings, whether it's here or other events that I've worked on in the past, that really live event production is is simple, in my opinion. My job as the producer is to tell us where we're going, and then the crew just helps me get there. That's all it really is in a nutshell. And I know sometimes it can it can seem more daunting when you're trying to do things to a, a second or trying to, you know, to follow a script to a T, but you just have to have a lot of trust with the crew and, and with the people who surround you. And I'm just beyond blessed and lucky to be around a lot of really talented people, especially on our game day crew and within our department. Everybody is incredibly talented. And when you have that kind of, you know, chemistry, when you have that that kind of cohesiveness as a group, it really it really shows. Yeah. I sit in the press box on game day, which means I don't get to really enjoy everything that your team produces. I also have to remain impartial and not cheer. What is the atmosphere like or the mindset in the control room? When you're working on a game day, how much is watching the game and reacting and how much is staying dialed in, remaining impartial to the work being done? I mean, there's definitely, you know, in working with groups of people and especially people who are fans of the team, it can be really challenging, you know, when a great play happens and people start cheering in the control room. Uh, you have to be really dialed in to, to make sure that your, your mind is really in the game, right? If there's a play that the ball is moving, you know, a receiver uh, catches the ball, but we think that the ball is moving, especially if it's the, you know, the opposing team and we need to show that replay, you know, we have to keep our wits about us and we have to be focused on on what we're doing. I, I often tell people, especially in live production, like if you want to be a fan and cheer, then go sit in the stands and be a fan wholeheartedly. It certainly helps when people are a fan of the team because you're really you're invested in what we're doing and you really care and you have that drive. Uh, but for the most part, we're really dialed in. And for me, there's a few moments here or there where sometimes the emotion will, will get in. But for the most part, I try to be pretty even keeled with a lot, even when things go right or even when things go wrong. You know, I think it's really important to to try to be as even keeled as possible and dialed in because really at the end of the day, you know, it's it's a job that we do and we want to do it well. And and really, you know, the cheering aspect to like you mentioned being in the press box, sometimes it can it can really cloud your judgment or get in the way of what your next thing is that you're trying to do. One thing I didn't know before we went to the Super Bowl in February, actually one of many things, is how much each team is responsible for the actual programming during the game, bringing in touchdown songs, chants. Can you talk about what that was like for you and your team and how much freedom, if any, clubs have in the process of making a Super Bowl? You know, what's really great is with us going to the Super Bowl, you know, I've been a part of numerous Super Bowls in the past. I think that one was my sixth overall Super Bowl that I've been with or been a part of, I should say. And, you know, it's great because I was with a group previously who actually produces the Super Bowl in in concert with the league itself. They actually work for the league. And I was a part of the group that used to produce those Super Bowls. So I kind of knew what to expect going into uh, Super Bowl 54. 
And yeah, they want to try to, the league really wants to try to preserve any traditions that a team has and bring that in. But, you know, it's, it's a neutral site. So you have to make sure that everything is reciprocal, that there's equity in it. So if we get a tradition, then the, the opposing team gets uh, their tradition and vice versa. And, and so there's, there's a lot in play because there's things that you can say are a tradition or you can say that, you know, uh, it's taking it a little bit above and beyond. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot that you want to provide and as, as much as you possibly can provide to the league to, to accent that game. So we were providing, yes, we were provide, providing the music list to share with them of what we play at Levi Stadium. We wanted to give them music videos, especially with Niner Gang and E-40. We wanted to provide that to them as well. So it really is a matter of uh, as much as you can provide, you know, to the league and then let the league um, kind of take it from there and really try to find that equitable balance in a neutral site competition like the Super Bowl. How long were you and your team in Miami this year? Because I know you guys also ran the fan zone and had responsibilities outside of game day itself. Yeah, so we flew in with the team. So I think if my memory serves me correctly, and it's hard, it's hard to remember sometimes. I know, I couldn't remember. I was like, I should know this, and I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure we were there uh, for a week, the week leading up to it. So I think we flew in like on a Saturday, if uh, my memory serves me correctly. And then so Saturday prior, the weekend, full weekend prior to Super Bowl weekend, that we were on site. And yeah, we did walkthroughs of different spaces, the fan zone, the fan rally, uh, the pregame uh, spaces that we were programming as well over at Hard Rock Stadium. And then going through, to your point, the, the league also has rehearsals at the stadium for player intros or team intros, I should say, and rehearsing with our entertainment teams. So I was on site for that as well. Yeah, there was there was quite a bit to that we were figuring out <laughs> Um, while we were on site leading up to leading up to the Super Bowl. After the Super Bowl, we had an off season and this year has been a little different than all the other ones. How does your perspective on in-game songs, highlight reels, sponsor ads, celebrating league-wide initiatives like Crucial Catch and Salute to Service all fluctuate when you have to target a non-fan audience? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a huge pivot to to think about a a stadium without fans in it. I mean, our entire process for what we do really in game presentation, as I mentioned, all of the pageantry, all of the things that we normally program in a year, you know, our audience has changed really. Our audience in general is is the fans that come into the building and really supporting the, the team on the field as well as supporting that environment for the fans. And so when, you know, the news came out that we weren't going to have fans at Levi stadium, at least in the, at least in the beginning, we knew we had to pivot to a new audience. And that new audience is the guys on the field and making sure that they have some sort of energy uh, when they're in the stadium, as I mentioned, and as we started off with this, um, with this podcast is the last game in Levi Stadium before we opened up this season was the NFC Championship, the pinnacle of what we do in terms of game presentation and the amount of energy and the amount of fans that we had in the building at the time. 
there's nothing that can really rival that. And so then we came in on the home opener and all of that energy is not there. And, and I can say for myself, you know, and, and I'm not on the field, but I can say for myself, it, it was very strange to produce a game without fans in the building. And it changes the energy um, a lot. It changes what we're, what we're doing to some degree. And in, in other ways, it doesn't change, right? We're still going to put up replays on the, on the video board that hopefully, you know, can give an angle to coach to see something to maybe want to challenge a play and, and help create that home field advantage. That still remains consistent. But trying to get in player-centric music, uh, you know, throughout the entire game, you know, soliciting them, asking them what they wanted to hear, because really, like I mentioned, they're the audience. So we need to to make sure that they feel they feel that energy and trying to also, you know, pump them up a little bit, whether that's having some good luck messages from their family or some good luck messages from celebrities. It's really what can we do to, to help the team on the field uh, win right now and give them some energy in the building that's, you know, that's missing from the from the faithful uh, because they're a huge part of the fan experience and the experience at Levi Stadium in general with the energy that they bring. Speaking of a fanless stadium, one of the big headlines this offseason was that instead of, a, of fans, there would be crowd noise. As someone who hasn't heard it, and also as for most people listening to this who have also not heard it, what is the fan crowd noise like? I'm glad you brought this one up because at some point I wanted to to talk about that. So it is curated audio um, that the NFL films and the league actually work together on this. And I'd love to, to kind of talk about this and set the record straight for fans um, who don't know about this process, but they went in and they've taken the last four years of, of games at Levi stadium and curated that audio and put that into a track that we play at kickoff and we play throughout the game to really kind of, it's more of a competition thing than it is for bringing energy into, into the stadium. Uh, there's a lot that is said on the field that crowd noise typically masks, right? And so it was more or less to, to have that in from a competition standpoint. But this audio loop, this curated audio loop that you're mentioning is we you know, set it at a certain decibel level, and then we leave it alone. We don't ride it. We don't touch it. It just kind of stays there as just to, like I said, just to kind of mask a lot of the conversation that's taking place, hopefully on the sidelines or, you know, between coaches to players when they're shouting out different, you know, um, play calls. It is very interesting. It's it's very much like white noise. I, I, I know that's a I know that's a technical <laughs> term, but it just sounds like a a constant, perhaps like even imagine just running your vacuum cleaner in your house and that constant sound that the vacuum cleaner makes as you're going around your house. It's It doesn't really fluctuate too much. But the crowd noise that people hear when they're watching a game at home, now that's separate um, from what we're playing in, in the stadium itself. And in my opinion, the broadcasters are, have done a really great job. They're still kind of figuring all of this out, but they really are trying to ride kind of the energy levels that would be in a, a venue. So if you're watching Sunday night football, Thursday night football, whatever it might be, that fake crowd noise that you're hearing on broadcast at home 
is not what we're running in the venue. They can really ride the the plays. And sometimes I've even heard them bring in some boos, which I'm kind of jealous of because there's certain times where I wish we could bring in a boo every now and then. Um, but you can definitely, you can definitely see where they're kind of going with, they're riding the energy with a play, whereas we're just putting that, you know, crowd loop, that curated audio loop into the stadium and we leave it alone and then we can play music over the top of it. For the curated audio loop, and I don't know if this is common knowledge or even something we know, did they get it from multiple teams and multiple fans or... I guess, how does one get a curated loop of audio? Yeah, so again, I have to get, I have to tip my hat to the league because they they really have a curated audio loop for each individual stadium in the NFL. Wow. So yeah, I mean, they they really had their hands full in this off season and trying to to pull that together. So Levi's Stadium has a curated audio loop from the last four years that is signature to Levi Stadium. And that will be different for, you know, whether that's Seattle or Arizona, you know, it'll be, or even at the new Rams uh, stadium, it will be different. It'll be a different sound, a different curated loop for those teams because they're really trying to have some, some, uh, some variety in there that again, that is signature to your building. Beyond crowd noise, another COVID pivot that's turned into something I really enjoy is the Countdown to Kickoff series on home game days. How did that show come to be? And what goes into producing a pregame show that includes commentary, analysis, alumni, and player warmups? Yeah, so in the summertime, we started to think about, you know, what a scenario. We did a lot of different planning for whether, you know, fans would be in the stadium or not. And and we wanted to, in a no-fan situation, we still wanted to be able to bring a certain aspect of game day to the faithful. And so we started thinking about what we could do and what portion of game day that would really resonate with the fans. And a pregame show... Uh, really kind of came to the surface as the most viable option for us. And really, you know, our entire department worked together on concepting this and and putting, um, you know, putting the script together for it. But I'm lucky in the sense I was able to draw on some of my previous experiences of of working other events that had pregame shows. So uh, it wasn't really a, a new concept overall. We were able to kind of approach it with some experience to it. And you know, what's great is it's it was such a creative outlet for us. I mean, you know, all of the energy and, and effort that would have gone into what we would have put into a video board show, we can kind of channel all of that energy into Countdown to Kickoff and, and really have um, a meaningful pregame show with some analysis. I think, you know, Kiana does an amazing job. She always does. And then having Dennis Brown on as our alumni to give us that player perspective and then having different guests on to give us their perspective is, is really fun and unique. And then really the heart of the pregame show is, is showcasing player warmups, which our fans don't get to see on a traditional network or broadcast show. They have their own studio shows. They have their own um, kind of elements that they're running and so we felt it was pretty unique for us to be able to show fans uh, player warmups and, and give them that 
completely biased analysis, right? A show basically by the 49ers, by the faithful, for the faithful, and exclusively talking about our team and, and, and what's going on. And a quick plug for that, everyone can watch that on the 49ers app, YouTube, and 49ers.com on home games. Can and should, because it is a really good show. Thanks, Haley. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, we, like I said, there's there's great opportunities. To, it's interactive as well. We, we, we ask some trivia questions. If you jump in on the app side of things and, and uh, interact with us via the uh, app version of it, there's also opportunity to, to win prizes. So just echoing your point, jump on, check it out, and, uh, and join us on, on home games. As a member of the 49ers, you have done some pretty cool things. You've gone to, let's see, Lucasfilms, Ghirardelli, the draft party in the city, is there something that you've done since you joined the team that you wouldn't have expected to be doing? Oh, yeah. I mean, the the draft day three activation that we did with Lucasfilm by far and away um, is something I never in a, my wildest dreams thought would, would come true. You know, we had this idea. I knew Lucasfilm was in San Francisco. I thought it would be a great opportunity to work with them and on a whim, you know, send an email to them and said, what do you guys think? Would you guys be interested? And and they said, yes. And it was it <laughs> like, I got really super like giddy and I was like, this is going to be so cool That's amazing. Like, uh, to do. And, and yeah. Um, and, and not to mention their uh, headquarters there in San Francisco has an amazing view from their balcony as well. They have this, uh, they're in the Presidio. They have this, amazing view of the Golden Gate Bridge. And so in terms of, of bringing together these iconic brands, you know, that really represent San Francisco, I, I thought it was, I thought it was really cool and, and worked out really well. R2-D2, the real R2-D2 was on set with us. So that was pretty, pretty cool and unique. And I do have a picture. It's on my desk. I literally look at it every day. It's um, our crew, our team who was so instrumental to putting all of that together, Stormtroopers, Chewbacca, and R2-D2. So uh, it's, it's it's pretty cool and, and unique. Yeah, I was watching the photos come in from you guys all day. Just like, wow, that's that's cool. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, it, like I said, it was just, it's super, uh, super fun. And, and what great hosts, you know, our friends at Lucasfilm were. It was great to, to work with them and partner with them on that and, and really kind of see us you know, shine on that day uh, of the draft. It's pretty, it's pretty fun. And you mentioned the draft party in the city. I never in a million years would have thought, you know, uh, we would be planning in such an iconic venue of, of a pier. I know it seems kind of strange to say, but uh, it's really, when you think about, you know, the city and you think about the bay, it's really cool to think about the parties that we've hosted up there inside of, of the pier and, and what those, how those came to life. So that, that was pretty cool too. And really, you know, the city is such an amazing place and it's, it's a great opportunity for us to be up there and, and see some of the sites and, and, uh, and explore a little bit too. Beyond the events that you work on, when you go to another event, whether it's a concert, another sporting event, how much are you able to turn your work brain off and how much are you scouting what others are doing in the entertainment field? Um, yeah, I mean, I think once you work in this 
line of, uh, you know, this particular job in this industry, it's very challenging to go to any other, you know, live event and not think about, you know, those things. Uh, it's, it's hard. I mean, there's definitely times where I can try my best to sit back and, you know, enjoy it with friends, but they're in the back of my mind. I'm, I'm always going through, you know, different things. If I'm at a concert, it's, oh, okay, the artist entered stage right or stage left, or, oh, that was a really cool effect. Or wouldn't it be cool if we did X, Y, and Z, you know, it's, I think really anyone in kind of a creative field, I think you pick up different things from different experiences. And so, I, I'm more, uh, you know, more or less a sponge. I just love to kind of go around to different live events and, and see what's going on, see what the trends are, see, you know, what gets fans excited and, and what what little things maybe we can bring back uh, to help shape the fan experience for the faithful. So, yeah, it's really difficult, but I do really enjoy going to other sporting events, you know, despite the fact that there's a lot kind of still going on in, in the brain while I'm while I'm there. I do love to you know, catch a Sharks game or go up to the Giants or A's or, you know, Warriors. We're all good friends in the industry, you know, with our counterparts at those other teams. And my hat's off to them for, for the work that they do. But yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to just see what everyone else is up to, uh, what they're doing and what they're up to. The last topic I want to talk about is something that I really admire about you. Beyond the fact that you are incredible at your job, you have been an amazing champion and ally for women in the sports industry, uh, myself included. I think you could have easily taken the opinion of, I need to compete for limited resources, and you clearly did not. Why do you think it's important to empower other women in the industry? And how have you seen the perception of women in sports change since you got your start in the industry? Well, first, I just want to say, you know, thanks for for uh, the the nice words that you have to say, Haley. I mean, it it means a lot to to hear that coming from you. You know, I think in terms of promoting women in this space, I think it's really important. And a big reason for me of why I want to promote that is and and really be an ally for other women is because when I first started in this industry. Uh, one, there weren't very many women for me to look up to in leadership roles at organizations. I can probably, honestly, I can count on one hand how many I, I was able to see when I first started out in this industry. And to see where we're progressing and getting to these days is is a huge improvement. And I also did experience, you know, the you know the 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 cattiness before or women who were in leadership roles who didn't really want to, I don't want to say, you know, didn't want to see other women succeed, but really felt that, you know, they needed to protect their kind of status within the organization, as opposed to, to seeing people really grow and shine uh, within an organization. So I think it's really important. I think it's really important to do for, you know, women in the organization to be, to really champion each other, to really be support systems for each other. Again, a big part of that is because I didn't have that when I first started out. So that's why I think it's really important. But then at the same time too, I think that, you know, we have, we do still have a long way to go and I think we can continue to change that. And it, it really, it, it starts with all of us and, and our mindset as women with sports teams and how we can continue just to reach out and, 
and be that um, support, whether that's with, within our own organization or whether that's within the actual league itself and then out, you know, branching out beyond that to the industry overall. I think it's just really, you know, important. And, you know, I'm, I'm that way more or less for a lot and not only just women, but I, I hope to be that way for young people, young professionals in this industry in general, and, you know, uh, other minorities. I think it's really important to, to continue to just try to be a support uh, for people who are coming into this industry and, and really want to want to grow. I think that's our, there's nothing that I could do, no event. I know it sounds cheesy, but there's really no event that I could work or any kind of accolade of that of that stature that would measure up to helping young professionals and young women in this industry really find their place and paving hopefully a, a better road for them. Yeah. And that is why you are so inspiring. So cool. I, this has been amazing. Thanks for having me on Haley. It was a blast and I really appreciate it. 